My name's Ron Ecstasy, and you're listening to Blue Men Group. As always, I'm joined by Devin Welsh and John Biedren. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Is everything okay over there? Yeah. I heard a, I heard a cough. Of yeah, a little cough. <clears throat> it doesn't matter. It's fine. There's just, there's a lot of bugs in here. We didn't clean up from last week, and the I know. desks were pretty messy. Yeah. That's my early listeners. Good. Early listeners will remember that John was... Um, was um famously john famously got covid and uh, had it a couple of episodes yeah. when we recorded earlier true. so it's That's true uh, it behooves us to inquire about the state of his health yeah let's behoove Be- we're behooved <laughs> it's fortunately it's not long covid i don't think i think it was a gnat that flew in the back of my throat because we left the snake desk unattended <laughs> oh 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 yeah, oh, yeah. Those okay well little yes. bugs I, I, snake poop or whatever i know that i it's didn't kind clean of a mess up. in the studio yeah i know that i didn't clean up and that was on me i see the 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 chart that we have that that delineates who cleans what on which mm-hmm. week and uh i just miss saw my name when i glanced at it i saw uh your name john mm-hmm. uh not mine even though uh it's clearly there in um electric blue pen my name you know so I, I apologize it's, a, it's okay you know there's a lot of desks in the studio um it's really yeah. easy to overlook one hundreds yeah. in fact yeah, yeah we have many desks so um hey guys i just want to let you guys know uh i know we're all ready for this but i want to explain to the audience um we're gonna be off next week um there's not going to be any news next week and we just want to make that uh you know, upfront and clear. Um, and uh, the reason is we're going to be on the first annual Blue Men Group cruise. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, we're we're pretty excited, and um, you know, it's a k- kind of a cool opportunity to uh, to be with our uh, you know uh, listeners. I be hope. with ourselves, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, that's the important thing is, you know, the three of us will be there. Um, um, we do have, uh, Mark can give, uh, Ron can give you the details, but we do have a large ship um, that we will be taking with us. Yeah. 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 It it appears as though uh, we, we had this booked for a long, long time and uh, we were supposed to sell a lot of tickets to our listeners to join us on this cruise and we're, we're going to do some live shows and stuff like that. But I'll be honest, uh, similar to the whole cleaning situation, I kind of messed up and I forgot to mention that we're supposed to sell uh, upwards of uh, 75 tickets uh, priced around eleven to $15,000 each to join us on this uh, expedition cruise. So I apologize about that, but I guess I'll read okay. the description yeah. anyways. Yeah, so... Uh, I forgive you for both. 
Uh, first annual Blue Men Group cruise um, from Antarctica to Alaska. Our expedition cruises operated through our alliance with the uh, Lindblad Expeditions uh, bring you to some of the most remote and pristine places on the planet. Uh, we'll be traveling aboard the Blue Men Group Lindblad fleet and you'll explore alongside, or we will explore alongside a dynamic expedition team. Um, we'll have seasoned photographer Devin uh, marine biologist John, historian Mark, uh, that is uh, Ron's uh, friend, um, and naturalist John and Devin will also be there, as well as a Blue Men Group Lindblad certified photo instructor, John, uh, who is trained to help you take your best photos. So um, we've worked flexibility uh, into each itinerary that we will be uh, using on our trips so that we can take advantage of wildlife sightings and other spontaneous opportunities that may arise. Uh, our nimble expedition ships can navigate narrow waterways and small harbors that larger vessels cannot reach, and they're equipped with exploration tools such as kayaks, paddleboards, snorkeling gear, and zodiacs, hydrophones, and underwater cameras so that we can discover wild places close up. So yeah, we we yeah we were supposed to sell tickets for this thing and, and get some experts on board as well, but we decided you know we'll do it in a DIY kind of way. You know we'll yeah. we'll do it ourselves. We'll go on the mm-hmm. cruise ourselves. Yes. Um, and uh, we're gonna have a great time. Um, we've got actually some additional roles here that we were filling on the ship. Head of security that'll be myself, Devin. Uh, ship catering will be John. Janitorial services will be Ron. Um, nightly entertainment will, of course, be all three of us. Um, yeah. We'll entertain each other. Uh, yeah. The ship engineer is Ron. Uh, the documentary mm-hmm. filmmaker on board will also be Ron. And yeah. um, we have a special keynote address um, by Tim Cook. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot really about exciting. That. Yeah. May or may not be the Tim Cook you're thinking of. Right. Someone named Tim Cook will be giving the keynote someone address. Someone named Tim Cook will be there. Yeah. And um, the helicopter landing crew for Tim Cook's helicopter will be myself and John. Yeah. yeah. So, so tickets yeah. are still available, but we do embark this evening. So just meet us at the harbor. We're going to be on our way there as soon as yeah. this show wraps up. Bring you know, like yeah. around eleven to fifteen thousand dollars, depending on the class of stowage yeah. you would want to be in. Cash too. And we cash. don't take credit. And it would be even better if it was like um, a mix of world currencies. If yeah, because we're tonight. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna need. Th- um, I'm so embarrassed that we forgot to sell these tickets. Well, it's okay. it'll be fun. I mean, it'll be some time for the three of us to get away and yeah, you know. I wish we would have mentioned it last week because I totally forgot until probably like last night. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. We're going on the first annual Blue Men Group cruise. Well, you got um, your google calendar alert last night i know don't forget tomorrow yeah exactly so that's going to be like what's up next week that's why we're not going to be there next week but uh i'm sure we'll probably have some good stories to tell maybe or like oh yeah i don't know certainly but we also opted not to record while we're on that was like part of the thing we're like hey we're not going to record when we're on the trip right like let's be present let's be we kept on saying present yeah, and we have a lot to take care of on the ship too. I mean, it's gonna yeah, be a challenge. Be. <laughs> so we we probably won't have time for that. But this week we're gonna try to go long on the episode and uh, 
cover some more stories, go into a little more depth on those uh, on those pressing stories for you, and um, yeah, so you can listen to the first half of this, and then you can save the second half for uh, next for week. next week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it may not be long COVID for John, but today this is long podcast for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we just jump right into it, everyone? This is. This week in history. July 13th, 1985. There are hours to go in this Live Aid show in Philadelphia, and it looks as if no one's leaving early. (laughs) Live Aid global rock concert to raise money for starving people in Africa takes place in London and Philadelphia. The mammoth event spawns charity music concerts in years to come, from Farm Aid and Hurricane Katrina Relief to Live 8 and Live Earth. Wow. I love that the radio announcer was... (laughs) Nobody's leaving. (laughs) Pointing out that no one's leaving early. Yeah. He's in the studio, or he's in the stadium, and he's getting nervous because he wants to get to his car, but he can't remember where he's parked. (laughs) So he was yeah. hoping it would thin out early. Yeah, so Live Aid. This was 1980s, mid-80s. Uh, all of a sudden, people started realizing that uh, Africa may not have... Countries in Africa, which is a continent, may not uh, have it as nice as the West. So how can we make them more like the West? <laughs> That's kind yeah. of the vibe I got from Live Aid IMO. And then we can raise money by throwing a massive party um, but did the money ever get there or like, I just wonder, I wonder what happened with that money. Yeah. Um, Where did it go? Cause also the idea that it was like for Africa, like that, mm-hmm. that's a continent. I, I don't know. You, there has, there, like there is the, uh, what, like pan African Congress or something like that. There certainly were disputes with in the, between the nations of Africa about who should get how much money. I yeah. have to imagine so. What? Yeah. What was the the uh, distribution process? Let's say, did Bob Geldof? Because that's the guy. I don't even know what Bob Geldof. He was in a band, I guess. He must have been. He was in a band, but he was also promoter. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you know his daughter Peaches Geldof, who had many uh, uh, many no. a problem. I don't know Never if she's still still around, to be honest. Oh, she was like a British tabloid person, oh, but wow. um. Uh, did they, did he just get all the money and then he dispersed it because he's the saint? Like it, it, I don't know. It just unaccountably, it, like deciding who gets to live and who gets to die. It sounds pretty <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. very of the time though. It seems like very benevolent 1980s. Everyone's on coke and uh, like oh, we should fucking raise some money for for Africa, mate. And yeah, then, and then they did a song, right? We are the world. Was that for we are the world? I think we are the world. Do oh, they different. know it's okay. Christmas as as well? Oh yeah, which I think is like a very con- weird, oddly condescending song. It's like, do they even know it's Christmas? Yeah, it's like who gives a fuck? Like the, maybe maybe Christmas isn't what they need. Well, because it doesn't snow. <laughs> it doesn't snow there, so there's no. Yeah, they, they don't, don't know canes. it's Christmas. They don't. They don't they're not. They're they, don't not they don't connect to the idea of Christmas. Like, right. it's a whole different climate, whole different culture. You're yeah, like explaining to them who Saint Nick is. Right. Like it's like so this guy comes down your chimney. It's like what? Africans yeah. actually aren't that excited when Germans come into their country unannounced. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not usually a good sign. Yeah. For, forebears ill, yeah. 
Yeah, not to get too events. too deep here, but this is a kind of you know, Africa post-colonial uh, Africa um, uh, receiving this Western rock and roll money. You've got like Bono on stage with his uh, voice uh, regaling the young Philadelphians about uh, you know how life in Ireland is, and uh, you know asking for a few few pennies here and there that we can maybe send over to africa uh i don't know but yeah it seems like you know it all worked out i guess the money uh, got to where it was supposed to go and i don't know do you think that anyone on stage got paid more like it got paid to do it oh (laughs) yes everybody did probably yeah probably maybe that's Um, what happened to the money that probably ate up most of the budget right there yeah yeah, but then there was obviously uh, the the farm aid, which was uh, for farmers. I think Willie Nelson did that one. He uh, mm. wanted to help out his farmer buddies, so he did farm aid. Then there was Live Eight, which I mm-hmm. remember in two thousand four or something, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe two thousand eight. I don't know. Uh, it, um, and there was, yeah. of course, Lemon Aid for the lemon farmers. Um, yeah, you know, all yes. around the world and. Um, you know, there was all, that was there, that was you know, it, it, it was it was a little sour at times, um, <laughs> but uh, it was good. Um, my grandmother went to Hearing Aid, which was oh yes, yes for the for the for the for people with hearing problems around the world. Yes, um, hearing getting aid. together, no music, of course. Um, no, yeah, rumbling. But, um, yeah, lots of low end frequencies and visuals. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I remember of course there was when all of the medical supplies in the country were dwindling, we had Band Aid. Mm-hmm. Ah, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um raise money yeah. for purchasing hey, that, cotton and adhesives. Well and raising money for all of the people banned from social media. Um ah, as well. It was a multiple it was fundraising a, thing. Yeah, there was two angles. Interesting. There was the north <laughs> stage and the south stage and you could go to either one. Yeah. yeah, and however long you stayed at that stage was the amount of money that of your ticket that went to each yeah. cause. Mm-hmm. Right? So it was interesting. The recruiting of of acts to play on those uh, rival stages was very very heated. Yeah, that yeah. was a tough concert to put on because they didn't write down the title of what the concert was, so everyone was mm. confused because it was all word of mouth. So everyone yeah. was going ex- in expecting different concerts. Well, mm-hmm. I know I didn't go to that one. Uh, just because I got, I had tickets you already didn't... to go to a different one. It was called oh. Kool Aid. Oh, nice. uh huh. Yeah. What was that funny. all about? Oh, it was just um, uh, well, they, it, there was like this uh, this wall that fell down, and uh-huh. uh, or it didn't like fall down; it just crumbled. And uh-huh. then a big jug of juice uh just poured <laughs> over everybody, and so they had <laughs> what a tragedy. I know. <laughs> Did they have to raise money to rebuild the wall? What do you yeah, have to do? Just build. Did it? Was it? I'm sorry. Was it on top of the wall? Was it? No, no. It busted on the through the, this oh, picture the of juice. Through. The yeah. the picture of juice busted through the wall. Nobody was hurt, but no they did hurt. have. They did have to raise money. Um, to patch the wall. To patch the wall. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So that was so. Anyway, the legacy of Live Aid, as you can tell, is very uh, robust, complex, and ever ever changing. Very influential. Oh, but it's incredibly see. robust. Incredibly robust. I'm glad you brought that. 
Uh, in keeping with our, our going long um, ethos <laughs> here, let's let's keep going oh into uh, today in history. Let's see what else happened in history today that we. Can, oh yeah, we uh, want another one. Here we go. Hopefully, hit me for another. Here we one. go. 1793, a bloody milestone during the French Revolution. Jean Paul Marat, a revolutionary writer, is stabbed in his bath by Charlotte Corday. She's executed four days later. Who, so, who are these people? These, this is just like a regular stabbing that happened in 1700s. Jean-Paul Marat, he was a very, uh, yeah, kind of a, a polemicist um, oh. of the French Revolution, a, a kind of a, a journalist uh, and, you know, a sort of thought leader of the revolution. So he uh, he hung out in his bath. Uh, As I understand, for, he had really bad skin. Yeah, that's right. So he so bathed he had, all the time. Yeah, he had to hang it in the bath, and uh, so this woman knew where uh, Charlotte Corday knew where to find him. Yeah, it sounds like it bath. wasn't hard to figure out where he was. Yeah, so you go to the tub, and he's there soaking, and then you Cle- plunge the knife in, and that's that. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, bonjour, Charlotte," and then boom, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was right in the heart. Yeah, and so that was a big deal. There's a painting by uh, Jacques right. Louis David that uh, is a really beautiful Whoa, painting. Extremely really fantastic. Did you? Did you guys, like, read about this beforehand, or is this just something you know? Well, this is just something that I know, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of like, you know, the Joey Buttafuoco story of its day. Oh, now you're speaking my language. (laughs) Because (laughs) because it's like, you know... Equate it to some modern smut that I know about. Well, because it's like, you know, the made-for-TV movie of its day was getting a painting of you. That is a good point. Mm -hmm. So that's what everyone knows. It's just, like, one of those things that, like your parents know about yeah and so the kind of guy that when he dies a lot of people get very angry Hmm. and uh, as you can tell charlotte corday was executed for her crime and um then a lot of other stuff happened in the french revolution uh some stuff not covered quite a complicated story yeah 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 actually uh that's one of the uh panels that devin's going to be speaking on on the cruise is uh uh, french revolution history Mm-hmm. I'll actually be educating uh, Ron and John on, um, yeah, the details of the French Revolution uh, over yeah. the course of a seven-day seminar. Yeah, we couldn't talk him out of it. We featuring kept being like, let's do other panels, and we just featuring Tim the Cook. Mm-hmm. So that'll be mm-hmm. cool. Tim Cook uh, will be there. All right, let's go on to uh, the next yeah, uh, I can't piece get of enough history. Of that sweet taste of history off my lips. Let's go for another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1977, a power blackout leaves New York City in the dark for 25 hours after lightning strikes north of we the city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another blackout. Uh, yeah. It's always a beautiful thing. When the lights go out uh, on a big city. Um, Candle prices I had a blackout last week. I had to deal with that. Uh, walking around the house, turning on lights. They don't turn on. Just kind How of are your like... shins doing? Did you bump into a lot of furniture? Oh, I did, John. Um, you know, I let's see. Did what what did Andy? I do? I took a uh, uh, pitch black shower. That was kind of fun. I was I was pretty bored. I didn't know what to do, so I was like, I'm gonna go take a shower. And then, uh, I mean, I had a light, like a little flashlight, like shining up to the uh, ceiling, under kind your of thing. Chin. You had but the I th- flashlight under your chin the whole time, illuminating your face from below, making you look creepier. Um. I wasn't doing that, but I, I just thought it would be kind of fun to... I knew where the shampoo was. I knew where the soap was. I felt like, hey, this is a great exercise in knowing where things are in the bathtub. Um, luckily, my also, friend... 
my friend Charlotte was nowhere to be seen while I was mm-hmm. in the tub. True. And you know what? Charlotte would have had a hard time finding you in the tub with the power. That's up. right. And I think safe, as, safe path. as a storyteller, I think, you know, that power outages might be a time for you to shine. You know, that the power goes ah, out. Thank you. All of the these kind of uh, other sources of entertainment are gone. Um, yep. And, you know, you can't even read in the dark. And so you're left with stories. And yep. Unless you're blind. That's true. Good point, um, John. Good point. Yeah, well, it, it, nobody was home, so I was alone with my dog. So that that was it was it was fun. Um, but it was also one of those things where, right when the power went out, I was like, "This could be like a week," because I, I mean, every the year past year has been absolutely nuts anyway. So I was like, "Well, let's just imagine that this is going to be out for a week." It was only out for like eight hours or so, but. Um, you know, you got to prepare, got to prepare for that kind of stuff, blackouts. And so on the cruise ship, actually, uh, Ron will be in charge of the electrical engineering. So yes, hopefully you've learned a thing or two from your experience. Uh, yeah, actually, I've learned a few things from John, but John is not going to be taking care of the electric stuff. He's he, he so it's weird because John has way more experience in this and I'm just going to uh, do it instead. Yeah, of that's John. not John's job, though, on the on the ship. Yeah. We did this very dem- democratically by having a lotto for all of the ship roles. Yep. So, you know, you got to accept, you know, what fate, what cards fate deals you. Yeah, let's see what else is going on in the history books. As a result, oh, shit. Looting. We're not even done with the power outage. Oh, oh my. Realism and arson hit the Big Apple, already reeling from a severe financial okay, crisis. Okay, I have something to add here that uh, they say there there is like this, um, uh, urban legend so to speak of, about they, they just mentioned this looting mm-hmm. that many people in new york city stole or looted whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. took Far freely five finger mm-hmm. discount whatever um a lot of uh, uh music equipment such as mm. turntables samplers mixers that well samplers were not around but that's where uh, early hip-hop many people say came out of the blackout yeah yeah, because people now had uh, you know access to some good equipment. Yeah, I think that's that's wonderful, and yeah, that's that's probably true. Can we can we say that sample culture came out of uh, this blackout? Sure, why not? Let's why say not? Yeah. Sure. And 1942. Snakes. Why did it have to be the snakes? <laughs> After Harrison Ford, best known on the silver screen as Han Solo and Indiana Jones, is born in Chicago. Nice. Wow. That's Harrison the first thing Ford. that he said when he came out of the womb was snakes. <laughs> Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> Harrison Ford. The one thing I know about Harrison Ford is he has his pilot's license. He's an avid uh, aviator, but he's not that good at it. He's had multiple plane crashes and also was... He landed recently, within the past five years, on a taxiway at an airport, which is not where you're supposed to land a plane, leading many mm. to believe that he is flying under the influence of something, which is uh, quite dangerous. But many, uh, you know, if maybe- many Hollywood celebrities or athletes, um, thinking about Roy Halladay, the pitcher who died uh, in a in a plane on many substances, it's kind of a thing that they do. Do you think there were snakes on his plane? Ooh, good. I have to also be honest that uh, I've never seen in Diana Jones. I've never seen 
Star Wars. Uh, I mean, I've seen some of the Star Wars, but I'm not like, I don't, I can't tell you which one's which or like who they the are. One thing I know about um, Harrison Ford was that he, before he was Han Solo, he was a woodworker, and George Lucas saw him doing carpentry on set and was like, "You'd probably be pretty good in this movie." Yeah, imagine seeing that guy doing really work on the set, and you're like, "You're too pretty to be working." Yeah, exactly. On behind the scenes, and then he became the lead star of the movie. Well, it wasn't the same movie, but it was, yeah. He became, like, huge. I mean, yeah. That sounds like some, like, old-timey... It's like, hey, you over there. Why don't you come over... Why don't you come into my movie? (laughs) Like, that was my dream when I was, like, six. Like, walking around being like, somebody is going to find me and put me in their their commercial. If you're at the right party, that would would still happen to you today, but uh, not when right. you're just on set. You'd have to be at the right mansion, uh, doing the right satanic things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which or you, yeah. If you have to be on set, you have to be so good looking. Yeah, well, a, a stunner. And what do you say? Harrison Ford was so. There you go. Yeah, um, Harrison Ford. Well, thanks. That's a pretty uh, good week. Thanks, history for detailing us whatever that was interesting but not that interesting to be honest because the harrison ford bit especially because uh i don't know if he's like a good actor or not if if there if if anyone listening has any sort of acting chops please let us know if harrison ford is a good actor (laughs) let's (laughs) let's go in on mainstream actors on whether or not they're actually a good actor because i would love to know that that'd be a good a little bit okay Th- ladies and gentlemen that was uh this week in history i don't know if it's uh, okay with you guys i'm gonna ask for consent from both parties here is it cool to move on to the next feature of the show i will oh, turn yes. my key um john Please i need turn. more of a affirmative yes yes okay I, thank you i i well you know you have to turn your key at the same time to like launch missiles um i've never launched a missile sorry (laughs) well you're gonna need to learn that for the cruise yeah we're putting you in charge of ballistics okay i don't know if you remember you got that one in the lotto and now it is what's What's in 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 the news the news dev what's going on in the news so we've got a striking story uh, from Michigan. <laughs> oh, um, spare me. <laughs> um, headline, gutter ball. Michigan man finds 160 bowling balls under home. So <laughs> That's a weird place to keep them. It's called a basement, by the way. Yeah, and 160 <laughs> bowling balls. I mean, yeah, if it, was, uh, if it was two or three, I'd say, hey, not too much of a story. But when it's 160... Then you know something's really going on. When there's 160 of anything discovered on a house, the Blumen Group stand up and take note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A Michigan man made a striking discovery. Sorry, I already used that. Under his <laughs> house when he went to demolish his back stairs. About 160 bowling balls. David Olson, 33, said he found one ball buried in the sand behind cinder blocks this month and continued finding more over the following days. Uh, I was actually a little happy about that because it's a little easier to roll bowling balls out of the way than to move the sand and figure out where to put all that, he told the Detroit Free Press. Uh, Olson believes there are even more buried under his Norton Shores home. 
what he doesn't the want hell? the story to end. Yeah. There's yes. more, there's there's probably a lot more balls underneath the house. There's probably <laughs> yeah. a little t- like a factory under underground just pushing them out. So weird mystery, huh? Where'd all those bowling balls come from, and why w- is there no end to their discovery under his house? Um, well, he contacted the maker of the balls, Brunswick Bowling Products, which had a plant in the area and said they were made in the 1950s. He said former employees contacted him and told him the workers used to take scrapped bowling balls to use as an alternative to gravel or sand. Oh, interesting. So they're wasting the production of these bowling balls. Um, what's happening? What happened with that? Why weren't they selling? Where? What are bowling balls made of also? Is it like what ivory? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, it's, it's elephant ivory. It's like plasticky <laughs> something, I guess. Mm-hmm. 1950s though who knows what was in them yeah well, so, so the average bowling ball is about nine inches in uh diameter mm-hmm. and there's 160 of them which is 1400 inches which is about 120 feet of area underneath the house yeah wow. I, don't th- so, I don't think there's any more and also could a sinkhole open up uh if the bowling ball shift in some way because it's kind of like a ball pit yeah you, know, you put a lot of right. weight on it and they can just kind of whoosh, you know, roll. Yeah, out it it would be interesting uh, if a sinkhole happened because it would be very very similar to a two ten split, which is one <laughs> of the hardest uh, bowling shots to make, where you have pin on each side and a big hole right in the middle. That's right. That's um, right. Brunswick shut down the Muskegon plant in two thousand and six. Olson said many of the balls aren't in good shape. They don't have finger holes and aren't polished. According they sound to like rocks. Com. Yeah, they sound like circular rocks, <laughs> yeah. but I mean... So they're not bowling balls at all. He's like... Yeah. He's <laughs> if you wanted to do a little work, you could get them to bowling ball status. Um, yeah. He has donated some and plans to give some to the Muskegon Heritage Museum. He'll use the rest for landscaping or to make sculptures, according to WZZM TV. Hmm. Mm. Sculpture? Bowling ball sculpture? What the... What, what is he? Uh, Salvador Dali? No, I uh didn't make any sculptures but uh it goes to show you that you know sometimes an extraordinary discovery underneath your house can turn you into an artist um that's true sometimes the very materials uh that would turn you into an artist are waiting they're buried underneath your house and you need just need to dig them up yeah Mm -hmm. that's very true so start digging underneath your house ask your uh ask mom and dad if you can dig under the house they like under the foundation I, and well, just I want to say uh, this story. I always wondered as a kid where the bowling balls went, like what was behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Because they travel, you know, once you throw them down the lane, they and then do. They, they go, they disappear, and then you hear a bunch of noise, and then one pops out. Back yeah, at the mm-hmm. ball return. Mm-hmm. But they but, you don't know, it takes always a long pop back time, out. and they don't always pop back out, and it takes a long time. So yeah. maybe there was just a bowling like alley near this guy's house that just was routed underneath his basement. Yeah, it's like a rest yeah. stop for the bowling right, balls. exactly yeah i i get that john i know what you're talking about um i, I have so a question anyway yeah 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 i was gonna uh, say are you guys any good at bowling do you guys like bowling i'm all right at bowling i bowled with sense. Devin. i don't know if i bowled with john we've never bowled together but we will be bowling on the ship's bowling alley that's, that's true. true next week we will be bowling in fact I'm, I'm in charge of cleaning that so and I'm yeah. in charge of renting the shoes out. But I'm re- I'm going to request, I'm going to put in a request that we do bumper bowling because I'm not very good at bowling. Okay, okay. well, yeah, you can and forward then, that request to me, actually. I mm-hmm. will. And then because that way we can have a lot of fun without worrying about it too much. 
you know mm-hmm. john i love that idea i can really more focus on like eating pizza and drinking root beer yeah i love that that sounds great bowling bowling and also fun. cleaning the shoes out with disinfectant which is the other part of what i'll be doing at the bowling alley mm-hmm. but so that's our news from the gutter and um Mark, you have a story um, on a beat that is very near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, Iran, thanks, Devin. you have a story. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, I go by both. There's uh, tons of confusion about who I am. I'm having massive identity issues uh, with regards to Ron, Mark, uh, you know, Rark, Rark, Ron. Uh, my, yeah, so that that that's fine. You call me call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner, late to dinner. I think uh, whatever. Okay, so I've been keeping a beat on uh, the future of thought. If you can if you can stick with me here, what that means is I'm looking for the smartest people in the world. Okay, we've mm-hmm. talked about Menza. We've talked about um, baby geniuses and all that kind of stuff. People graduating. Right college at age one you know they've already completed a phd program by the time they're six months old Mm -hmm. um listen i've got a news story here out of brussels okay so an 11 year old boy nicknamed little einstein okay Okay. Who, who do you think he's named after i think he's named after albert einstein i'm assuming that's a common name over there oh yeah yeah i was thinking actually the uh, Bob Einstein, the actor, like a uh, super. Oh, I love that guy. But well, no, yeah. that makes way more sense if it's Albert Einstein because he was actually smart. Okay, that changes. That opens up my eyes. Actually, little Einstein has become the youngest graduate in quantum physics. Right, eleven-year-old. So it doesn't say threatened. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and strangely competitive. Um. So Laurent Simmons or uh, or Simons. Uh, maybe, yeah, Sim- Laurent Simon, maybe, uh, who is half Belgian, half Dutch. So he's really straddling the uh, Benelux region here, the borders. He's got one foot in each each little uh, uh, place. Obtained mm-hmm. a bachelor's degree with distinction from the University of Antwerp in Folks, 18 months. the distinction months. is that he's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say he puts the twerp in uh, a- University of Antwerp, but... Um, nice. That would be rude of me to say. Uh, so he completed that in 18 months. Uh, I will just add that I uh, also have a bachelor's degree, not in mm-hmm. quantum physics, and my bachelor's degree took five years. I uh, don't yeah. know how many months that is, but it's... But were you also 11 when you got it? Oh, no, 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 John. I uh, was 23, I believe, when I graduated. Um Many, many years uh, uh, wiser than this young 11-year-old boy. So Much wiser. Laurent's well, parents are now planning for his doctorate, which he is expected to spend time in several countries, including Britain. Um, so his parents are planning his doctorate. Why isn't he planning his doctorate? Yeah, it yeah, seems exactly. like he can do everything else. <laughs> yeah, are they? Yeah, this is, this is getting strange here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, as well as his home country, Belgium, uh, he will be studying in U.S., Israel, and the U.K. too. Alexander Simon said. Uh, his father said. Simon says. Simon said that. <laughs> um, so uh, the Israel connection is due to Laurent's interest in biotech, <laughs> and the U.K. is for historical reasons. 
Oh, His, like my. what? Like uh, 12 years ago? So yeah. he wants to get into biotechnology in Israel. And then he's interested in the United Kingdom's illustrious history. Um, these are red flags, people. These are uh, massive red flags. Fl- yeah, red f- flags. Um, it seems as though this young man is a uh, intelligence asset. <laughs> he's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, um, he's a spy, I'm telling you. Uh, so the UK is the foundation of spy modern game. civilization. Um, huh. Lots of the world's best universities are located there, so the UK had to be on the list, Simon said, declining to reveal which university his son would go to. Yeah, the UK his... is the foundation of modern civilization. That's fucked. I don't know if that's... that. Well, that's not true. Um, no. <laughs> like, who invented algebra? I don't know. Like, I believe the Egyptians or something. The Egyptians or Iraqi or like whatever. Uh, I'm saying the Middle East. I think the uh, the the cradle of uh, modern civilization would be in the Middle East. And then the, cre- the, like, the foundation for humanity would be Africa. So looks as though this kid may be able to figure out quantum physics, but can't figure out history. But he goes on into even murkier territory. Yeah. So Laurent said his lifetime goal is immortality or specifically the creation of technology that will allow humans to live forever. Okay. This is so fucked. He's 11. Exactly. Yeah. So his lifetime goal. He's thirsting after immortality. At 11. At 11. It's like, dude, you've got like at least 90 years ahead of you. (laughs) I know the first few years are probably the sweetest, but Jesus, it's okay. not downhill um, yet. And so he goes on. He the 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 eleven year old evil boy genius goes on to say that means replacing as many parts of the body as possible with artificial organs. Um, so he's interested in developing artificial organs at eleven uh, in Israel and um, and in venerating the history of the UK. Yeah. This um, kid is, uh, uh, it's not good. I, I, I don't like this at all. Uh, so he, Laurent started secondary school at six. I think that's So he's right. in high school at six. Oh, yeah, he's high six school at six. Old, and he's and in then high university school. at eight. Why? So he's like, in just, university at eight years old. What's the, de- why? He, <laughs> I, he just I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm getting very annoyed. Like, actually, like, personally, very annoyed right now. Um, <laughs> He was, in enrolled at, of- he was enrolled at Eindhoven University in the Netherlands, but switched to Antwerp in Belgium after a row, a row with authorities over his exam schedule. Oh, my God. So he's that wasn't like, coming from him either. That's his parents. His, absolutely. Like, somebody needs to arrest these parents. Yeah. Uh, Dutch authorities. I'm going to call he Dutch authorities. Do, yeah. He needs like oh, a gap year between his, like, his undergrad and his graduate degree. He needs to like... Okay hang out with people who aren't his parents he needs to learn how to ride a bike yeah here we go the truth comes out his parents had wanted him to graduate from eindhoven before december 26 2019 so he would become the youngest university graduate ever Mm. the record is held by michael kearney who graduated in anthropology from the university of alabama age 10 in 1994 so that's what this is all about usa we got to find out what michael kearney is up to now and then, like, we and need then to extrapolate Laurent's future. 
Yeah, exactly. So Michael Kearney, Michael Kevin Kearney, by the way, uh, is an American college professor and game show contestant. He's known for setting several world records and related to graduating at a young age. Um, he's won over $1 million on game shows, apparently, which is, is very cool. But uh, The early life, first sentence in the early life. Can you read that? Um, yeah, first sentence, uh, he says, Michael was homeschooled by his mother and father, especially his mother, a Japanese-American. He was diagnosed with ADHD, but parents declined to use the offer prescription of Ritalin. Um, his younger sister is also a child prodigy and graduated from college at age 16. Seems weird so, that they're putting all the onus on the mother. Anyway, you can see with these, with, you know, with little Einstein that maybe his destiny, you know, he, he, he wants to become immortal. He wants to uh, work on the technology of uh, artificial organs but it's more realistic that he'll end up using his uh, his genius to kind of trick the system to make some money on a game show rather than, you know, make any substantial, uh, you know, uh, gifts to, to civilization. Yeah, and then just sort of coast uh, as like a professor or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I was doing at age 11. Um, probably playing a lot of SimCity um, and uh, NHL uh, video games. Or like any, fo- I was playing, throwing the football outside with my friends, play, trying to play tackle football, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, riding my wrestling, bike, a lot of backyard wrestling. Yeah. Um, so the article goes on. Laurent's mother Lydia has defended the family from accusations that her son should be having fun rather than studying. I can imagine that a lot of people think, "Leave him alone. He's still young." She said. But people who say that have not had a child like Laurent. Mm-hmm. Everyone, including psychologists who want to give advice, just can't because there's never been a case like this before. Oh. Um, well, so, sorry, but he couldn't beat the record. So I guess there yeah, is exactly. a case, so like there is a case like this. Um, and the article ends with uh, a sort of a quote from Laurent himself. I find it flattering that people compare me with Einstein, he <laughs> said, uh, who has an I- uh, Laurent, who has an IQ of 145. But I think everyone is unique. Einstein is just Einstein, and I, Laurent, am just Laurent. Oh my God! So, but also, Einstein wasn't known was for say, graduating college early or anything. Yeah, he did. The he comparison had, doesn't hold water. Yeah, he has. Einstein had great success later on in his life. Uh, yeah, 1905, the theory of relativity. Boom! Right yeah. there. I'm flattered that people are comparing me with Einstein, but I just want to work at a patent clerk office for my own reasons, and I'm not trying to model my life like Albert Einstein's in any way. Yeah. I'm just Laurent. This, again, is a name that I encourage you to write down, Laurent Simons. Mm -hmm. Get Uh, it tattooed, actually. Yeah, get it tattooed so you don't forget his name, because in the future... Uh, Laurent Simons is going to be trying to replace your organs with artificial ones uh, and he while you're sleeping. And he use your organs to study what happens when, you know, you remove one from a human body. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so when he gets your corpse, which you've donated to science, he'll look at your arm and see his name tattooed on your arm. Mm-hmm. And it'll be kind of like a pick-me-up for him because he'll feel like, ah, oh, people do care about the work that I'm doing. The important work <laughs> that I'm doing at the age of 19. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to uh, hunting down, <laughs> excuse me, uh, finding uh, Michael Kearney, perhaps, for an interview, uh, child genius, to, to kind of maybe give young Laurent Simon some advice, perhaps. We could take the information from a former child 
prodigy genius and forward that to Lydia and Alex. Uh, well, yeah, Laurent could learn Laurent's a lot parents. From, from Kevin, like, you know, how to kiss a girl, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How to ride a bike. Ride a bike, Maybe anything. How to, how to tie your shoes. I don't tie know. your <laughs> shoes, yeah. Stop wearing Velcro shoes. That's what they forgot to uh, mention here is uh, Laurent wears Velcro shoes because he still hasn't figured out how to tie a... Tie up, a, tie up a uh, a nice bow. All right. Well, Laurent, thanks very much. Good luck. I'm going to keep my eye on you. John, I see you over at the uh, COVID desk mm-hmm. because you had COVID. Not long yeah. COVID. But um, to give, give us a little uh, hint at what's going on over at the COVID desk. Well, so there's a new story in South Korea. Gyms in South Korea's capital, Seoul, will ban speedy songs in gyms to stop sweating. Oh, now, my God. Now, you may think of the gym as the place you go to sweat. Yeah. But in South Korea, things are a little different. Um, Gyms in South Korea's capital Seoul and its surrounding region have been told not to play music with a tempo higher than 120 beats per minute <laughs> in order to limit the spread of COVID-19. That's uh, so treadmills funny. also will be limited to a maximum of 6 kilometers an hour or 3.7 miles per hour for U.S. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> That's so funny. They, they, I love the fact that the people are going to be counting BPMs. Like government officials mm-hmm. are going to become DJs. They're going to start <laughs> recognizing... Uh, yeah. songs be like nope too slow too slow because if you think about it so 120 beats per minute okay that's like um mm-hmm. you, uh, disco your, yeah, dance music song. Yeah. it's bgs exactly it's uh it's the, w- the way in which your heart beats it's kind of a natural uh four four rhythm right or uh uh tempo um so we're gonna need to go below that. We're exactly, gonna need to slow and it, it down. And which is funny because I, I last time I went to the gym, they're on treadmills or on any of those machines that you run on. There are like graphs that like tell you your age and like your BMI and like how high your heart rate should be going to get like a good workout. And mm-hmm. it's like 150. Yeah, is like working out like quite well and like being yeah. is like good for your heart. And 120 is like re- like very low. Like, yeah, it's like so resting. we could we could see an epidemic of. Uh, kind of lack of exercise related health uh, uh phenomenon in in Seoul. Yeah. From these measures, uh people will not be getting the cardio that their heart and their lungs need. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, it's, it's and their 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 soul needs by the way. Yeah. <laughs> true. Soul cycle All will be canceled. Soul. Yeah. soul cycle, yes. Health officials say the restrictions will prevent people from breathing too fast or splashing sweat on each other, which again is what the gym is for. That's why I go. Yeah, you splash sweat. Yeah, give me your sweat. Now, of course, South Korea is obviously the home of international sensation K-pop, and a quick—I'm assuming that they play a lot of K-pop in the gyms. A quick look at K-pop BPMs suggests that Blackpink fans might suffer a bit more than followers of, say, BTS. Uh oh. And those attending Um, exercise classes such as Zumba, spin, and aerobics in the Greater Seoul area will face the 120 BPM limit on Monday. But this is interesting. It's uh, it's not without some pushback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the move has been questioned by gym owners, and Kang Hyun Koo, who owns a gym in Seoul, asked whether there was any proof a choice between classical music and BTS had an impact on spreading the virus. Good point. He also told Reuters many people use their own earphones, asking, "How do you control their playlists?" 
<laughs> yeah, that's a very they're good like uh, that's we a can. Really good point. They're, we can. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We can. Um, yeah. Well, so, go ahead, John. I was just going to say. So you know, the 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 reason that they're doing this is to try and prevent gyms from shutting down totally with the spread of coronavirus. Um, experts say it's hard to know whether people have been infected at gyms. And figures from the UK last year suggested that they were not a significant hotspot for infe- infections. So it sounds like maybe there's a little government bureaucracy coming in here and trying to uh, mm-hmm. maybe someone in particular in the government who has a lot of sway, who feels pretty like you know shy and maybe like a little embarrassed at the gym, who wants mm-hmm. everyone to sort of tone it down. Yeah, exactly. Maybe this is a good way of them to get like their own uh, you know personal gym or some sort of music producer who's sick and tired of making. Uh, songs over 120 beats per minute in the uh, in kind of the dance genre of K-pop is is saying yeah. like let's start making some more chilled out blissful K-pop songs that are uh, around the 100 to 112 area of uh, beats per minute. Yeah, because that's the of... question to be asking is is qui bono who yes. benefits exactly. from you, these Devin. measures and i was going to say this is a sort of south korean 2021 version of payola mm. yeah we're um, not sure who benefits but somebody is benefiting substantially well, i'll tell you who benefits south mm-hmm. korea's pop chart is forgiving on bpms with mm. eight of the top 10 passing the tempo test mm. bts the country's biggest musical export are on safe ground their two biggest hits butter and dynamite sit Hmm. comfortably in the 110 to 115 range. But it's not looking so good for female counterparts Blackpink. All of their biggest singles hover around 130 BPMs. Wow. Hmm. So this is interesting. are part of a raft of measures that were introduced in the region on Monday that are set to last for a couple weeks. Interesting. So this could be a hit. Uh, Is it the same label that, uh, that releases both artists? Um, yeah, and where is Psy and during all this? Uh, yeah, uh, Psy, I have to say. Writer of Gangnam Style, a huge, would, huge YouTube hit in 2014. Would Gangnam Style pass the test is the question. Also true. And I encourage listeners to uh, consider beats per minute while you're listening to a song. There's some webs- websites out there. You can just type in BPM counter. And uh, you can, uh, you know, follow along when, you, when you're listening to your music. When you hear that beat, just keep it going and count how many beats per minute you are getting. And it will give you a pretty interesting perspective onto some of the songs you're listening to. By the way, side Gangnam Style does not pass the BPM test with 132 oh. beats per minute. That's Shit. why we haven't heard from him. He's been silenced. He's been silenced uh, by Silence, yes. That's right. So... All right, John, you've got, uh, I see here, you, you've put together a playlist mm-hmm. um, with some songs that will work in Seoul. I don't think on our cruise we're anywhere near um, Korea, South Korea, so we really don't have to pay attention to this, but I know we have uh, a huge amount of Korean listeners, so could you please maybe give us Absolutely. a few of these hits? Yeah, so we have... Starting off the list, we have BTS Butter, 110 BPMs. Then you have Dua Lipa and Silk City's Electricity at 118. You've got Robin, Dancing on My Own. You've got a Doja Cat song, some Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. a little retro throwback. So you're saying uh, that these are, are, are legal songs? for if These are legal. At the yeah. gym, specifically. Yes. Classics you, by Lady Gaga, Skrillex, Nelly Furtado, Mark Ronson. And, Huge. of course, the, everyone knows Chic La Freak. Oh, uh, 119, 119 beats. beats. Yep. Just Chic La Freak. It. 
Yeah, just squeaks in. 119 is okay. 120 is forbidden. Up forbidden. against the wall. Up, you're, we're sending you off to uh, yeah. the, the, the Korean jail. We're going to take you there, and uh, it's not going to hey, be good. Don't even think about dancing in double time to any of these songs. Because, <laughs> no. Um, that's strictly forbidden. Because I could think that somebody finds, you know, they put on... Uh, Chic La Freak, 119 beats per minute, and then they're dancing double time. They're doing crazy popping and locking, like really fast dance moves. Juke, they're working footwork, out the sweat. Yeah, yeah, and their sweat is spraying all over the place, even though they're listening to a song that technically fits the requirements. Don't do that. Yeah. Okay? Well, here's here's a little tip and trick here. Okay, so some songs are going to be uh, you could hear them halftime. So let's say like drum and bass or jungle, you know that kind of music. Yeah, uh, it's clocking in at something like 140 or 70 or something beats per minute. But listen, you can just do it and it's halftime halftime at like 88 or whatever it is beats per minute. Yeah. And so you're still is... listening to a very, very fast song. But if you if, if you just move in a slower way, you're still in, in the uh, tempo. So all of the junglists in Seoul know yes. this very well. Right. Um, they understand that they don't dance to the exact tempo of the really fast jungle exactly. songs but no one's listening to them no one cares and so jungle is getting thrown under the bus here in seoul yep well but, and so well, that's why we on our cruise actually ron i've rerouted part of the destinations with the Lindblad expedition oh uh, cool and we're going to be passing by south korea and we will be setting up as an ad hoc pirate radio station nice mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, you're going to be in charge of the tower. Yeah, oh no, that's fine. I've got it packed. So, it, yeah, we'll be, be in the harbor. High speed techno, speed core, jungle, drum and bass into South mm-hmm. Korea. Yeah, we're going to be in uh, interna- from international waters. Yeah, we have some fresh dub plates that I'm going to be uh, playing um, for our Korean friends. Uh, some some uh, jungle, drum and bass, that kind of stuff. Some some really good stuff from the UK in the early '90s. Uh, yeah, we're going to be playing Just that. You- it's fast. You have to dance half time. Half if time. If you dance though. at the speed well, of the song, then you're violating the law. We totally disagree with that. We're not telling you to do that. Yes. We're just trying to show wink, the wink. South Korean government that you can dance half time to quicker songs. Yeah. Uh, see, I was thinking that we were going to be doing it from a free speech uh, thing. Well, that too. Yeah. But, you know. And also because we're fitness uh, buffs and enthusiasts. That too. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot listen, there's a lot at play. Um I just also want to remind everybody that uh on our cruise the the uh keynote special keynote speaker would be Tim Cook. Just wanted to mention that again. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh well, that's that's pretty interesting that we're we're uh, very aware now, hyper aware some would say of beats per minute in songs, especially when we're around the Korean peninsula. That's something that we always pay attention to when we're over there. But We've got to move on. We've got to take another look at, or excuse me, we have to take a look at another story. So I'm going to take this one. We got people. This is a headline from the Washington Post. People, could be anybody, dumped their pets into lakes, officials say. Now. Any official. Now football, excuse me. Now football-sized goldfish are taking over. What? <laughs> huh? 
Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. This uh, is a classic Blue Men Group story. This is a beat that we've been on since the beginning, really. Yeah, the oh, animal oh, kind of growing fish. bigger, stronger, fish. larger fish kind of beat. Um, giant fish beat, I guess you would call it. Uh, so the invasion begins innocently enough. A goldfish paddles the secluded waters of an at-home aquarium, minding its own business, disturbing no native, native habitats. The real okay. trouble I'm, comes Everything you. sounds good so I'm, far. I'm happy. Well, I'm feeling safe. Yeah. Well, here comes the real trouble, trouble, okay? When the human who put it there decides it's time for a change. No, don't change. Not wanting to hurt the fish, but not wanting to keep it either, the pet's owner decides to release it into a local lake, pond, or waterway. That decision, experts say, is well-meaning, but misguided and potentially harmful. Um, putting, <laughs> putting your goldfish in a lake <laughs> when you decide you don't want it anymore <laughs> is, uh, is a very boy genius level move. I know, yeah, but absolutely. I've, I've had goldfish and they all, they just eventually they don't die. I don't long, like get yeah. rid of them. Who can kill it? It's so easy. Just, just, just eat it. it. <laughs> get rid of it. Take it out and step on Fillet it. it. Who's auditing their aquariums this often? Where it's like you get a goldfish, like a total like rookie fish. Yeah. And you're like, I have to move on. Like I need yeah. new I need something fish. better. Like I need to move on to like yeah. crazier fish immediately. Putting food putting food in the water like every few days, it's just too much for me. Yeah. I, I can't I can't take care of it. Exactly. Or yeah, a rookie fish, exactly, John. So uh, officials in Burnsville, a city about fifty miles south of Minneapolis, demonstrated why late last week demonstrated why excuse me late last week when they shared photographs of several massive goldfish that were recovered from a local lake the discarded pets can swell and wreak havoc the city warned uh the How city official is goldfish really getting yeah well football size so uh please don't release your pet goldfish into ponds and lakes the city wrote in a twitter post which had been liked and retweeted more than 15,000 times Sunday night. Love when the newspaper is just telling us how popular a tweet is. Uh, They grow bigger than you think and contribute to poor water quality by mucking up the bottom sediments and uprooting plants. Wow. Wow. These... He's, he, they're depicted as these destroyers, this horde coming in and, and just wreaking havoc. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking actually at the pictures now of the goldfish, and they are really big. <laughs> they are huge, I know. So you can you can find that. Yeah, look up this this uh, headline. People dump their pets into lakes uh, and then type in goldfish. They're the size of a shoe. of Well, an average man's shoe. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, please don't release your pet goldfish into ponds and lakes. They grow bigger and you think you contribute. Okay, yeah, we said that. So, Burnsville, along with neighboring Apple Valley. Uh, I think I know something about Apple, Tim Cook. Uh, began surveying the lake's goldfish population after residents complained of a possible infestation. What? How did, okay, working with the company Carp Solutions. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I love that. Carp Solutions, which specializes in controlling water pests. The cities sent a team to investigate, and even it was surprised by the size of the fish it found. Wow. So they found some really big fish when they looked into those waterways. Um really big and wreaking a lot of havoc yeah um, 
Far from being an innocuous domestic animal, the article says a goldfish freed in freshwater is an invasive species. An organism that is introduced to an environment can quickly reproduce, outcompete native species, and destroy a habitat. Well, hey, that's not their fault. Yeah. And even though they get less attention than invasive organisms such as Asian carp or zebra mussels, goldfish appear to be a growing problem in bodies of water across the United States and around the world triggering warnings from government officials in Virginia, Washington State, Australia, Canada, and elsewhere. So, we I don't even know how we got on the whole goldfish thing to begin with. Like where did they come from? What what's what's the deal? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why people have them or own them or something cuz it is kind of like a starter. It's the first pet you'll ever have, right? Like cuz they're they're kind of like, "Hey, what a, parents are just like, whatever, it's going to die in a week." Like it's very throwaway, and then all of a sudden, uh, literally thrown away into yeah. local waterways and tributaries. Yeah, exactly. And they, they come in a bag. They come in a plastic little bag, and then all of a sudden they become well, an evasive species on the on the same plane as like a zebra mussel. Yeah, I was wondering, like, okay, how do we know that it's like how many, however many, like dissatisfied goldfish owners who are dumping their goldfish into lakes and rivers? Mm-hmm. Because you know what could have been the fair it could have been like some carnies dumping their mm-hmm. leftover goldfish from the like uh bottle ring toss game mm-hmm. yeah no one came through for pandemic because of the covid pandemic they couldn't like have the carnival and they just it's had like, a bunch of extra goldfish to get rid of and just, i like, think left we, it behind. we blame the carnies i think that this is all their fault and that if we find them and come down with to the full extent of the law on these yeah on these traveling vagrants uh we'll be able to get this cleaned up in no time yeah or we need to reassess what our first pets should be uh maybe yeah. we shouldn't be maybe we should get out of this goldfish situation or i mean the the name is very friendly there's a great cracker snack named after them uh mm-hmm. we we were like oh yeah goldfish love it but guess what they're related to carp which is an ugly, gross fish that nobody likes. So uh, they are thing. They they yeah exactly. They've got the goldfish have extremely gr- good PR, and except for this article, which is a huge hit to the goldfish community. But big black so, eye on the goldfish. Yeah, goldfish again, like their common carp relatives, feed at the bottom of lakes where they uproot plants and stir up sediment. Again, bottom that's, feeders. That's that's <laughs> what they do. That's fine. So like. I'm just thinking that keeping them in a, in a small aquarium at home seems to be the worst idea for them because they can't, they they have nothing to feed on. Yeah, you just yeah. put those like uh, purple rocks at the bottom or something and like a little uh, castle thing that they swim next to every Yeah, they don't ten care minutes. about castles. You right. care about castles. They exactly. don't give a shit. So let's also, leave these fish alone. Yeah. That's also, what I'm saying. Also, let me tap on the glass. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to be saddled with a goldfish, let me tap on the glass. Let me enjoy it at least. Or else, you know what? I will throw it in the river because it is boring. Yes, <laughs> do exactly. So, um, yeah, it, it, last year, county workers removed an estimated 30,000 to 50,000 of the fish in one day. Whoa. Okay, that, that's, that sounds like an issue, actually. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a like problem. A problem. <laughs> that does. Who is putting 50,000 goldfish in a lake? I thought this I was like just taking a... Toby, your little pet, down to the river and then dropping him in, and all of a sudden, 
Well, Toby, little Toby can can uh, have many offspring. Oh, that's and, true. Uh, I didn't think about and that. And then there's little, uh, little, little Tobys uh, swimming around, and then little, little, little Tobys swimming around. Yeah, and that's so true. On. Mm, I can see how that would quickly get out of hand. Yeah. So uh, it, it, they're, they're saying that these cities are signing, uh, or counties signing an $88,000 contract with a consulting firm to figure out how to manage the goldfish. Uh, yeah, right the consulting here. firm is Feline International Concerns. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, cats yeah. are licking their lips right now. Um, in 2018, Washington state officials said that they would spend 150000 rehabilitating a lake near Spokane. Um, an invasive species expert in Alberta called the Canadian provinces problem scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of money coming into this. It's a big problem. Um, you should be aware of it, concerned, even somewhat frightened. Um, you know, stay on your toes about this because um, there's a lot of weird things going on, but this yeah. is certainly one of them. Far be it from us to scaremonger, but you should be afraid. Yeah, you should be. You should be problem. extremely afraid you of this. Very scared. And also, but, uh, this looks like I'm, a great opening for us to start a goldfish consulting firm, to be honest. Um, but uh, Ron, you have a totally different story here. A uh, quick little economic update. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to give some uh, economic updates just as the you know, state of our economic affairs. Everybody's looking at their pocketbooks these days thinking, where is it all going? You know, uh, this meal cost X amount, that meal cost this amount. Um, I have created something called the Super Mario 64 Index that will help us uh, okay. understand. Um, you're, so you know what like an index is, right? Like there's different, there's various indexes. There's the- uh, At the backs of books. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Go on. Uh, oh, okay. That's different. I'm, I'm thinking more of like um, the, 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 uh, the Dow, the uh, S&P 500. These are indexes mm-hmm. to, in, to let us know how the world's going, right? So there's one called the Big Macs, excuse me, Big Mac Index. Uh, Deb, do you know what the Big Mac Index is? I do trade yeah. stocks on Big Mac's index. <laughs> yeah, Big Mac's index. So yeah, the Big Mac index is basically the price of a Big Mac all around the world. Um, right. It's sort of used informally as a way of measuring purchasing power parity between two currencies. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So we get to see, uh, you know, how the co- how the currencies compare by the price of a Big Mac. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. That was that was actually that was really well. That was really well answer. said. Yeah. So you really do. You're very familiar with the Big Mac index, it seems. Um, okay, so again, I've I've been trying to work some uh, economic models in my free time, and I've created this Super Mario 64 index where I'm trying to figure out the the individual price of uh, Super Mario 64, a game that came out in 1996. Okay, so if we can mm-hmm. figure out the price of that, that can kind of give us an indication of uh, parity with right, regards to. That- that was sort of the goldfish of N64 games. That's right. It's your starter was, game. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's just, I'll, I'll tell you what, what's up. So a sealed copy of Super Mario 64 has sold for a record $1.56 million. Oh, my God. A copy of the 1996 game Super Mario 64, still sealed in its original box, sold for $1.65 million, as I just said. Five, six million dollars. And breaking a record that was set just two days earlier. Exactly. So, so the price of Super Mario 64 unopened 1996 copies are 
not only extremely high, but they're getting higher. They're getting oh my god, very very high. So I encourage you to go to your basement and try to find any copies you have, and hopefully they're sealed. But also, I'm supposed to be like basing my like finances on this metric. Yes. I well, didn't think that they here, cost that much. I was going to say like twenty dollars to sixty dollars. Like, no, one point five six million. So I, what we're trying I to say here is, it is it all. the economy is heating up. It is heating, heating up. It's going and, into um, hyperdrive. Mm-hmm. When we see the Super Mario sixty four index at this level, it's kind of something that we haven't seen since I don't know the nineteen thirties. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, right before the crash, the crash, we saw the Super Mario sixty four index. Um, I think it was even a little higher than this, 1.65 or something. But mm-hmm. um, in any case, it's a they call it one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> yes, exactly. When, when the number gets over oh 1.5 million, yep. um, it's kind of Not like a, a flashing red light. Yeah, oh exactly. God. The domino so, effect is starting. God, fuck. All my, all of my, all my uh, investments are in Sega Genesis games. Right. Well, bad move. So, uh, as you may know, uh, if you're an avid uh, history buff like us, um, right before the crash, Black Tuesday or Monday or whatever it was in uh, 1930, whatever, um, there was a, uh, a, a, pa- a pack of cards and uh, a card game and jacks were uh, uh, ten ten thousand dollars at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, just very expensive. And the day before, they had been only five thousand. Exactly. So Thank that you. Was, Thank that you. doubling, that doubling in a day, that was the sign that kind of tipped things. Probably a dozen guys in suits jumped out of their office building windows when they discovered that tax cost that much. Exactly. And, we're going to be expecting, I hate to say it, but we're going to be expecting flying suits uh, in New York City um, from this news. Flying suits, that's fine. Maybe some okay. summer rains on Wall Street. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so Heritage Auctions, based in Dallas, Texas, said the Nintendo 64 game, the first game in the Super Mario series to feature a 3D world, sold for $1.56 million. Again, we hear that number. Uh, on Sunday, hearing it more and more. again, two days after a copy of The Legend of Zelda for Nintendo Entertainment System sold for... Eight hundred seventy thousand. Oh my God, you guys! I just bought a a copy of Cubert for the Sega Genesis for two thousand dollars. I thought I was future proofing my my portfolio. Nope. Again, a wrong decision. Sorry, John. That was misinfo. That was yeah. Um, But so uh, yeah, uh, uh, there's a quote from Heritage Auctions video game specialist Valerie McLecky. And she said, after the record-breaking sale of the first game in the Zelda series on Friday, the possibility of surpassing one million on a single video game seemed like a goal that would need to wait for another auction. Nope. We were shocked to see that it turned out to be the same one. We are proud to have been a part of this historic event. Proud? I don't know if you're going to be proud. Yeah. Because, uh, folks, this is a sign of trouble to come. Yes. Um, uh, the Zelda game beat a record that was only set in April when a copy of the original Super Mario Bros. game from 1985 sold for $660,000. So, okay, so if you extrapolate this, the, yes. the price of the Zelda video game doubled to the Super Mario 64 one, and the price of the original Super Mario game in April doubled during this auction. So exactly. The time between April to this auction, it doubled and then doubled the same day. It should be quintupling by tomorrow yeah so by christmas you should expect to see the price of an original unopened copy of battle toads <laughs> to cost roughly seven billion dollars yeah yeah so, by christmas Devin, i think you should expect to see nothing resembling western civilization to exist on this planet any longer 
Yeah, know, and that's because humanity. That's because of the Super Mario sixty four index that I've created. Uh, because it's it's a way in which we can kind of see you, how Actually, this is a really is, helpful index. Yeah, you're, you're that you've created. So we're going to be away on this cruise next week, but um, listeners, while we're not uh, doing an episode, you keep your ears to the ground on the cost of unopened video games to, you know, we'll see how things get out of control, but maybe it'll be nice to be on a boat in the midst of, you know, the global economic collapse. Yeah, we'll see. I, I agree. And I just would like to say tickets are still available, but we leave tonight. That's the issue. Yes. So y- please if- meet us with eleven thousand to fifteen thousand dollars in mixed currency at the harbor tonight. Yes, at the harbor, yeah, which if is in interested. like two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you just got to be with us there. We will on, keep on our the- eye out if you're late. We will be looking for you, but you please hurry. Yeah, please. So this is a new segment, probably my my favorite new segment that we do. It's called Lost Evidence of the Week. So some more evidence has been lost this week. Fuck. Um, it's always happening, and uh, yeah. sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes we're happy that it was lost, sometimes we're very upset that it was lost. And in this case, I think we're pretty pleasantly surprised yeah. that the evidence was lost. Absolutely. Um, I'll so take I'll, a, I'll take a headline. read of this headline. You'll take okay. Can go I ahead. take the read of the headline? I would love to read this one, Dev. Please do. Evidence lost in case of soldier accused of feeding cannabis laced cupcakes. Cupcakes. <sighs> I should have read it. <laughs> All right, you do it. You do it now. Evidence lost in case of soldier accused of feeding cannabis-laced cupcakes to gunners, lawyer says. Damn, you did that so perfectly. See, I got got lost on the laced. he shit all over you, Ron. He did. I got lost on the laced part. Getting into the lead, evidence in a bizarre case of a Canadian soldier accused of drugging comrades. Comrades. Mm. With marijuana-laced cupcakes was lost by military police. Well, her decision to give them marijuana cupcakes made them comrades, I feel, in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. Says the soldier's lawyer. Um, who accuses the Department of National Defense of conducting a sloppy, incompetent investigation. Mm. Well, um, I, it sounds like it's a sloppy, incompetent investigation because maybe they had a few too many cupcakes. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like they got a little stoned and lost the evidence. Am I right? Ooh. Uh, Bombardier Chelsea Cogswell's military trial is slated to start next month. It's believed to be the first of its kind. She faces 18 charges including administering a noxious substance to eight soldiers without their consent in July 2018 at CFB Gagetown. At the time, the soldiers were taking part in a live fire exercise involving explosives and weapons drills. <laughs> it does sound so, like that she was just trying to like chill everyone out. Yeah, there's going to be yeah, explosives. There's all these, like, it's going to be weird. Guns firing, explosives. It's like everyone's being loud. And yeah, just extra. let's chill out. Let's chill out. It also just sounds way more fun. on a Boards fun. of Canada record and let's... Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Or something even more upbeat, something above 120 BPM. Yes, exactly. Um, But And just so you know, this takes place in Canada where cannabis is legal and available uh, for commercial purchase. But um, I guess it's still illegal to dose your uh, comrades. (laughs) Yeah, it's too bad. Um, So Um, CBC News has obtained a copy of a court application filed by Cogswell's lawyer, Ian Casper. Uh, in it, Casper argues 
he is not a ghost. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> argues the military should throw out evidence of traces of THC, the main psychoactive compounds in cannabis, gathered from one cupcake cupcake wrapper because <laughs> the other cupcake wrappers were lost and never tested. Devin will be doing mm. elocution lessons on the cruise. Yeah. On the uh, cruise, that's right. Yeah, I'll no. be in charge of that. Um, so, so basically, they're trying. They've got the THC on one cupcake wrapper, but they don't have the rest of them, and they never tested them. So, yeah. hey, so you should. Uh, this you is should absolutely throw out that evidence. Absolutely, this is a trumped up charge. Administering yep. a noxious substance. If they're just cupcakes, there's nothing noxious about cupcakes. And actually, that's quite rude of you to say. Thank you. The, yeah. The, she baked noxious cupcakes. Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, they didn't test this uh, wrapper, apparently, because they lost them or whatever. I'm mm -hmm. just imagining a lot of uh, troops standing around some uh, cupcake oh, cupcake <laughs> wrappers saying... Uh, do you want to test it? Can I test it? And they're all trying to test it, and they're all very uh, high. Yeah, yeah, and they gobble them all up, and then somebody sweeps away the wrappers, and they only remember to save one. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then they're gonna, she's gonna get off scot free, and mm -hmm. maybe she should. Mm -hmm. um, the chain of command's loss of the cupcake wrappers was so shockingly negligent as to constitute an abuse of process, mm. says the lawyer. Casper, mm -hmm. the military is in the midst of an institutional crisis over its handling Whoa. of misconduct in the ranks. Oh my God. Critics have said military police are ill-equipped to investigate offenses. Holy and, shit. Uh, seems like they kind of are. What if the, the no. like Canadian military just like dissolves because of this uh, cannabis cupcake situation? Yeah. <laughs> like they, they just can't, it, it, when they're saying that they're in the midst of an institutional crisis over a cupcake, oh. <laughs> cupcake okay, wrapper ron can't say cupcake i it's, can't say cupcake uh, wrapper funny um but i wonder what trudeau has to say about this i'm sure he's gobbled a few uh cannabis cupcakes in oh, yeah. his day oh yeah but um he's also probably ashamed of that embarrassed uh unwilling to admit and so i'm sure he's going to come down hard on cogswell yes um but we are rooting for her and uh I think that we will start a fundraiser for Chelsea Cogswell's defense um, because we believe in dosing our comrades, especially when <laughs> the gunfire in, is uh, in the mix. Yep. And um, yeah, that's where we stand. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the real harm in giving a bunch of guys with guns or men and women with guns and weapons, uh, you know, a couple of cupcakes to, to yeah, try if, out and to relax? What? They weren't in active service. You're scared they're going to have a good time? Yeah. That and seems, it seems like a, it. You know, pretty unfair. Cogswell's mother told CBC News that strangers have started bombarding her with hate <laughs> messages online. A little ironic there for a bombardier. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. she found her vehicle keyed, keyed in her driveway on one occasion. Okay, I can see why you're having trouble today, Ron. Yes, thank so you. So somebody, somebody, <laughs> somebody keyed the car of this woman's mother because of the cupcake incident. What kind of a fire has to be lit in yeah. your belly to like to do something like that? And mind you, this is in the midst of an institutional crisis about said cupcake. Mm -hmm. Nice. Which is oh yeah, so we've got a little detail here. Cogswell offered some troops from the gun detachment free cupcakes she had baked that she said contained coconut oil and avocados, mm. according to the document. I'll Sounds have two. Delicious. At least nine soldiers ate the cupcakes within an hour. Some described feeling quote high. The court martial <laughs> document said. 
They variously described feeling tired, exhausted, loopy, anxious, and paranoid, mm. said Casper's court document. Hmm, hmm, hmm. So nothing I'm familiar with at all. Yeah, I don't about. know what that could be about. Um, others, however, believe they were dehydrated or were suffering heat exhaustion. Those are the ones that have never smoked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, citing safety concerns, the military called off the live fire training exercise on that hot summer day and loaded those affected into an air-conditioned truck <laughs> for assessment. <laughs> That's so funny. I love the idea of a bunch of troops just like laying on the ground, but they're like, are we going to do this live fire thing or not? And they're like, nah, I don't think so. And it's too hot. And they're, they're in the chill out tent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, people, you're a little stoned. We're going to, you know, just relax. We'll get some bottled water. We'll get yeah. some snacks for you. <laughs> so trip um, sitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah. The, Trip sitting the, the live fire exercise. Yeah, the 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 soldiers are tripping, and um, I think uh, maybe there's a crisis in the military, partially due to the drugs. Yeah, but um, maybe the drugs are the solution. Yeah, to maybe the problem. Maybe the problem is actually that they have to fire their guns at all, and maybe the solution is the drugs to make them stop shooting. Because that yeah, sounds more of a true. problem than just being a little high. Yeah, inside, I know they can't stop shooting. The they room. can't stop. Yeah, it, it it seems like Chelsea Cogswell is kind of uh, like a Martin Luther of her day where uh, she's, you know, dosing troops who are now like, wait a second, why am I doing this? Why do I have yeah. this <laughs> giant machine gun around my shoulder and shooting it? Th and they're like, wait, I don't think I should be doing this. And then the military is like, oh, uh, oh, oh, where, where's the cupcake wrapper? We need to check it. We need to test it. Uh, 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 institutional crisis. And then they're like yeah, running they're around keying the cars of mothers yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, come I know, on. It's like, it's not even her. It's her mother. Like, what's the matter? Yeah. With like, yeah. this but is going chomp, to. This is they chomp down. Yes. They tune in and they drop. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is going to be a uh, sea change in the way in which. Uh, militaries operate in the world they're going to be the it, listen it, it's going to militaries are now going to become these institutions where if you want to try certain things like cannabis laced cupcakes you go there because of mm -hmm. uh chelsea cogswell's service to the country and listeners if you know what what's the right thing to do uh you will bake some cannabis cupcakes and you will send those to the u.s military send them to our right troops. Away. support our boys <laughs> yeah no. don't mention support that there's the cannabis troops. in it they like to be pleasantly surprised send them the muffins or the cupcakes whatever you want to do the only thing that could go <laughs> wrong is they will not want to shoot their guns anymore that's right <laughs> yeah oh no so yeah, um, yeah. Call off your live fire training. Uh, go into the air conditioned truck. Realize that that's way cooler, uh, so to speak. Uh, yeah. then, put on the record. Put on the record. Asia by Steely Dan. Yes, just um, tune out. Get the AC blasting. Get some water going. Yeah, um, it's going to be fantastic. You got your friends, your comrades. It's great. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, that was. Probably my favorite new segment called Lost Evidence of the Week. So if yeah, you have if you have any insight as to where those cupcake wrappers are oh, cupcake wrappers are, just uh, let us know. And uh, just also letting you know that on our uh, cruise, the Blue Men Group uh, cr cruise that we're going on uh, on b with, with uh, Lindblad ex Expeditions, it is tonight. Um, we are leaving tonight from yeah. the harbor. Uh, just letting we're you leaving know now in about two hours. Yeah. Um, well, that I have to get these cupcakes finished then, because um, I'm making some for the trip. 
Uh, oh, wonderful. Yeah. So thanks very much, everybody, for, for listening to that that nice segment. But before we go on, on this special edition, special summer super edition, stuffed super edition. stuffed edition, double stuffed Oreo edition of Blue Men Group, we have to look at last well, week's last numbers. Last number. Number. Oh my, I'm so excited to uh, to find out about these numbers. Chomping uh, on a little uh, cupcake that I started earlier and uh, pretty good. Nice. Yeah, you're really chomping down on that. Yeah. Don't eat the uh, wrapper. We need Don't that. Eat the wrapper. We're going to need that later. Yeah. Okay. All right, everybody. So I've got the dashboard up in front of me. Guess what? Over the past 14 days, we are up 2%. Oh my. Wow. We're doing well. Staggering 2% increase in the Blue Men Group Listener Index. Yes. But, but, but. But. We've got something, we've got an interesting little sub-story here. Yes. uh, Of the last three episodes, Mm -hmm. in the first week, we had uh, episode 37, Ultra Thin Condoms and Sea Mucus Cleanup. First week was 103 listens. Mm -hmm. Not bad, not bad. The next week, 38, Nude Sunbathing Tips and Tricks, How to Not Get Arrested. 89 listens in the first week. Okay. Yeah. Not little, so good. A little back step there, but... But then last week, uh, 39 radioactive terror pigs. First week, 121 listens. That's huge. Hell yeah. That's probably the, the most we've That's had. more than we get in a month on episodes. So, um, uh, coincidentally, that was actually the first time that, that the three of us promoted the podcast uh, on our Twitter feeds. Yeah, it's true. Um, so uh, this it's not a is a big at all. Why? <laughs> Wait, yeah, it's not a coincidence. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, but so it was we a good episode. It. We shared it. We shared the episode, and people uh, responded. They clicked on that link. Mm-hmm. They opened that audio, and they listened with their ears. They, they listened the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, or at least some of the time. Yeah. Um, so that's a lesson to you, listener. That what we did, we shared it, and people listened. And yeah. so now you share it. And people will listen when you share it too. Exactly. You know what? I wonder if anyone's scrabbling this podcast on Last FM. Ooh, Last FM. I love love when people would do that. That was a fun little activity to scrabble your music. So let's look at the the world charts here again. So uh, let's let's change this calendar. Let's look at July. We're halfway halfway through with July. Oh yeah, We've, we're up in July. Like, hold on. Let's quickly get that number there. Yep. In July uh, versus the last month, we're up 63.4%. Yeah, that's okay, so. quite big. That is that is huge. Um, let's look at the ge- geographic stats here. United States still in the lead per usual. Number still two, number United Kingdom. United Kingdom. Then Canada. Mm-hmm. Canada's numbers. Canada's percentage has dropped, dropped considerably. considerably. But, yeah, it yeah. be over 10%. Yep. That's a good thing, though. Um, that's a very good thing, uh, because what we're seeing is gains elsewhere. Yes, True. exactly. I do think a lot of the gains went to the United Kingdom, but uh, we see Austria, number four, at 2%. Australia, number five, at 1.79. Australia, you could beat Austria. And listen, there's not much difference in the names of your two countries. And the only way I can differentiate it is if you get more people to listen to the podcast <laughs> in both countries. That's how I know. When mm-hmm. I That's people ask me, what's the difference between Australia and Austria? Because I get asked that a lot, actually. You do. And I think, well, yeah, okay, I, so there's about seven like pretty loyal listeners in uh, Austria and about six in Australia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I tell people. Yeah, that's the difference to us. That's all we see. We don't care what you do. The rest of it, the differences in your... We don't care. Yeah. You do whatever you want. 
All we know is how many people from your country listen to our podcast. That's all we care about. That's all about. we care about. Yep. That's all we care about. You can be be terrible to people, but whoa, if you're whoa. getting those numbers up, oh. well, yeah, don't yeah. Be no, 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 go ahead. Go because, ahead. No, 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 but be good because the because the reason is not because it's good to be good in and of itself, but by being good to people, they will listen to you when you say listen to Blue Man Group. Well, conveniently, it makes you good to listen to Blue Man Group. That's true. That's also true. So, okay, uh, Germany, 0.9%. South Africa, 0.9%. Sounds like we've got a tie, and that needs to be broken. Um, Two countries full of good people. Yep, I would love mm-hmm. to see something there. Now, this one is interesting to me. Um, coming in with two listens in the month of, I mean, the half month of July, United mm-hmm. States Minor Outlaying Islands. We get two listens from there. So if you were that person, whoever you are, whether you actually live there or whether that's your VPN, whatever it is, if you can identify yourself as the person from that place, please contact us. Please contact please, us. Because please, please. by tonight also helpful. I mean, seriously contact us, but also if you could contact us soon, we can swing by with the Yeah, place. exactly. That's, yeah, that would yeah be we'll nice. pick you up. Yeah, we'll just get you on, on the way out to uh, South Korea. Exactly. All right, well, everybody... Thank you so much for listening. This has been fun uh, for a more extended version of Blue Man Group because of our, uh, you know, cruise that we're going on, our expedition next week. So there will be uh, no episode. There will not be an episode next week because of the cruise. Uh, Again, if you can make it down to the harbor, we will be leaving in one hour, 45 minutes time. Uh, or so, right? That you said two hours, probably about fifteen minutes ago. I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is an hour, and yeah, we're leaving an hour and yeah. forty-seven minutes. Okay, yeah. cool. And so if you, you go to the harbor, ask old harbor master McLeish. Right, um, he mm-hmm. should point you in the right direction. Yep, because it's not obvious where our boat is. Yeah. You're going to need to talk to somebody. Right, right. and it's you, he'll be really easy to spot because he's wearing yellow rain slicker and a hat, and he's got white hair and he's a very crusty figure. Yep. So mm-hmm. Crane. Yeah, so we will be on, again, the first annual Blue Men Group Cruise uh, in partnership with Lindblad Expeditions, uh, traveling aboard the Blue Men Group Lindblad Fleet. So if you need to mention that to McLeish, he'll know. Um, Thank you very much for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Be safe. Be good. Love your friends and your neighbors. As yourself. As yourself. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.